the economy is shifting in and out of a recession. However, how does this affect nonprofit leaders? And how do they navigate through this ever-changing time? Let's talk about it. You know, at least for me, it's just worked out so that I didn't have sort of my job on one side. It was about making a living. And then, you know, the things I volunteered, you know, to, to, to do because I cared about them, those things have always been aligned for me. Um, and that's just part of what's been my formula for you know, fulfillment in life is making sure that my work is really aligned with my purpose. Hey, greetings, leaders, and welcome to another episode of Leadership is Podcast Season 3, Episode 20, with my special guest, Dan Leroy, President and CEO of United Way of Asheville and Buncombe County. Dan moved to Asheville in 2007 from Northern California, where he launched his career in nonprofit leadership. Uh, experiential education and environmental sustainability. Prior to joining the United Way team in 2019, Dan served as director of development for North Carolina Outward Bound School, and he co-founded Green Opportunities in 2008 as a way to ensure that higher paying green economy jobs were more accessible to people hardest hit by racial and economic inequity. Hey, welcome, Dan. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yep, absolutely. So besides, uh, you know, the little that I stated about you there, uh, if you can tell our audience, you know, more of, you know, what it is that you do, who are you and what you do? Yeah. So I am currently serving as the president and CEO of United Way of Asheville and Buncombe County, uh, located in Asheville, North Carolina. I've been in that role for about three years. Um, but, But basically, I've spent my whole adult life working in nonprofit organizations. So I've kind of done the full gamut from uh, working in advocacy organizations, working in education organizations, environmental organizations, social justice organizations. Um, And I kind of, I consider myself to be a sort of a serial social entrepreneur. Most of my career has been about either starting programs or starting organizations. Um, So I just love the, Love the process of, of sort of um, seeing a need in the community, um, thinking about how to achieve impact, and then building programs or organizations around um, trying to meet those needs or, um, or leverage opportunities. So that's the work I've been doing, and I'm, I'm really um, privileged to be able to continue to do it here in Asheville and to do it with United Way. Very good. So what drives you to in the nonprofit sector or even the, you know, social justice and advocacy? What what's really the driving force behind that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't really know. Um, my whole life, I've just um, just been motivated to try to make a difference in my community, wherever that was or um, or make a difference in the world. I was been passionate about different things over the course of my life, but I've always been um, pulled toward um, work, my own sort of vocation, being aligned with the things that I care about. So, um, you know, at least for me, it's just worked out so that I didn't have sort of my job on one side. It was about making a living. And then, you know, the things I volunteered, you know, to, to, to do because I cared about them. Those things have always been aligned for me. Um, and that's just part of what's been 
my formula for, you know, fulfillment in life is making sure that my work is really aligned with my purpose. So I just, um, I just see things, um, in the world that I feel like I want to impact in some way. And, um, for whatever reason, I, I spend a lot of time and energy thinking about how to address those things better. And, and, um, sometimes it's creating organizations, sometimes it's volunteering, sometimes it's, you know, um, building out a, a new program or taking things in a different direction, but it all comes from a place of, um, of, you know, seeing a need for impact and, and being driven to, to, to try to make that a reality. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. 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 So with that being said, you know, of course, our uh, podcast here, we're really um, talking about uh, today is, you know, some keys for nonprofit leaders to succeed. So what are some of the challenges uh, as it relates to being a nonprofit leader? Well, that's, I'm going to just move here. Yes, sir. a quieter place. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, leading any organization is challenging. Um, sustainability is, is challenging. Trying to, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep the bills paid, keep your staff, you know, receiving payroll and all those things, raising, raising money is always a, a big challenge, whether you're doing that, um, in the nonprofit world through, you know, fundraising activities or writing grants, or, you know, you're doing that with business. I think some of the unique challenges for, for nonprofits is that, you know, we don't just have one bottom line, right? We're not just trying to make the numbers work financially. Um, you know, we're trying to be successful financially so that we can keep doing work. But ultimately, our bottom line is the impact that we achieve in our communities. And so uh, we're having to, to always address those things, um, those two things at the same time. Um, other than that, it's, it's really, you know, just about all of the all the basics of you know, organizational development and, um, you know, managing essentially a business, um, trying to make sure you got a strong culture and that your, you know, your staff are, are motivated, inspired to do the work that they're doing. Um, you got good systems in place to make sure you're, you know, achieving the results that you want to achieve and, and trying to make sure we're, you know, always improving on, uh, the quarter before or the year before. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is the, the process like? Uh, let's say, for instance, if someone who, you know, doesn't know anything about the nonprofit world uh, wanted to start a nonprofit, you know, what, what are some of the, the learning curve leverage lessons, you know, that you have, have, have received uh, through your tenure of being a nonprofit leader? You know, what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a nonprofit? Well, first, I would, I would really caution people, you know, to, to not start something new if there's already something in your community that exists. You know, I think too often um, folks don't look around enough to see who else is, is kind of working in that space. Um, and uh, it ends up you know, resulting in a lot of redundancy or duplication in the work and, and folks um, really being much more about 
trying to, I guess, uh, sustain their own work, their own, you know, organizations than it is about building organizations that are really making a difference in the community. So I think do the research first, see who's out there. Um, that's, that's kind of touching on your, your mission. Um, and, and talk to them, you know, see exactly how they're, you know, what their mission is and how they're going about achieving it. You know, what are the results that they're trying to achieve and, um, what are their, you know, successes and what are their challenges? You might find that you could actually go and work for that organization and, you know, get much more quickly to where you want to be making a difference on that particular issue. Or maybe you're helping them to create a, a new program within an existing umbrella. So creating a nonprofit is, is a lot of work and can be a huge headache. And if you don't need to do it, there's already a vehicle out there um, that's getting the work done, but maybe they just need more, more resources or some, some changes to their approach or different partnerships. Um, I think you're much better off um, trying to, to build on what's already there versus starting something new. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Now you being uh, a co-founder of uh, Green Opportunities, um, which was helping, you know, marginalized individuals to get sustainable employment. Uh, you know, what is the, if you know, you know, really the condition of green opportunities today and what do you think that uh, whatever that condition is, what, how do you think you could help with that condition? Yeah, so I was one of the co-founders of Green Opportunities, uh, along with my partner, Dwayne Barton. Um, and there was a situation where, you know, I actually met Dwayne uh, while I was in the process of going around and talking to partners in the community and seeing who was doing what. Um, and it, it was pretty clear after some time that there wasn't anyone that was doing anything quite like I had in mind. But there was someone who was talking about doing something similar, and that was Dwayne. And so um, a partner over at the Green Building Council put us together, and, and really we started talking, and that's how Green Opportunities was born. Uh, you know, I've been gone. Dwayne and I left Green Opportunities back in 2014, so we've been gone for almost eight years. And I think it's, it's kind of gone up and down a little bit since we left. And I think right now they're struggling um, is my sense that uh, they want to rebuild. They want to uh, hire a, a new executive director and recruit new board members and, and uh, build back some of the strength of the programs that they've had in the past. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, in conversations with, the folks who are still there on the board, for example, just provide some um, whatever perspective I can that might be helpful and thinking about where they may need to go next and, and uh, possibly opening some doors to other types of partnerships that could, um, you know, lead to things picking up in terms of momentum again. So um, I haven't been really involved in the last, um, a couple of years, Jason, I've kind of gone in and out of involvement since we left uh, back in, in 2014. But 
you know, when you, when you start an organization and leave, um, I think you learn that you, you can cast a kind of a, a long shadow. Um, and it's really important to make space for new leaders to come in and um, take the organization in the direction that they think it needs to go um, versus staying too close. And, you know, you have staff or board members or volunteers are kind of looking over and saying, Oh, what is the, you know, what do the co-founders think? And so we, you know, I, speaking for myself, I made a, a deliberate decision to, to step away um, and really allow the new leadership to take things where they felt like it needed to go. Um, unfortunately, it's been a little bit of a revolving door in leadership there. And I think that's been one of the big challenges. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, man, I'm so there's some other questions that I have uh, as it relates to uh, as it relates to that. But we will uh, get to that, you know, at some other point here. Uh, but another quick question for you is what's the difference in what United Way does and Green Opportunity does? Well, Green Opportunities is uh is very much a community-based organization um, that is on the ground, you know, doing direct service work, um, recruiting uh, members of, of marginalized communities, like you talked about, um, who are looking for um, uh, for a job or, or a new a new career, and um, working directly with those folks to. Um, identify what barriers to success that they've had in the past and how to overcome those barriers and, you know, creating some opportunities for them to get access to, you know, training and to um, employment opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. So um, there are a ton of community organizations around that are doing that kind of, you know, direct service work. Uh, United Way is operating more at the systems level. So we're trying to, you know, we're trying to, to really take a broad view of our whole community and, um, and try to understand how we can best deploy our resources and our network, which is really, I think they're super, the superpower of a, of a strong United way is the network that we have of businesses you know, volunteers, philanthropists, you know, uh, nonprofit organizations, large and small, local governments, you know, this really robust network. Um, and that's, and we try to, to really think about how we can best, you know, leverage that network and the resources there to make the biggest difference for our whole community. And so um, we, we invest in organizations like green opportunities and have invested in green opportunities for for years since I've been there, and many many other organizations are receiving financial support and other kinds of support and, and partnership with United Way. Um, but we really see our, our role as as um, helping to align, uh, support, and mobilize this network across our whole community to really ensure that everyone in our community can live can live their best lives, you know, a life free of, of poverty and injustice. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. So, 
in closing, you know, any tips or, you know, any keys that you would like to share with uh, any nonprofit leaders that are out there of organizations, you know, for success, you know, what, what do you, you have any tips for them? Well, I, I was thinking about this in the context of, um, of leadership, you know, and this being a, a podcast about leadership and uh, whether it's in the nonprofit world or, or really anywhere. Right. Um, you know, I, I think one of the most transformative experiential education experiences that I had related to leadership development was uh, a workshop I did on a horse ranch uh, where the facilitators were using direct experiences with horses to teach lessons about leadership. And it was fascinating. It's, you know, I spent four hours out there and it's thought about it, you know, many, many times over the last, you know, six or seven years since it happened. Um, and so what, what we did is we went through and did a series of activities with these horses and then learned sort of in our bodies, these lessons that, you know, really have broad applicability in terms of leadership. And so, for example, yeah, we did this one activity where there were four, four of us, four people in a group, and it was our job to lead a horse around this, um, well, I don't know what they call it, the, 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 the yard, right? It's got a name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we had to go through these different obstacles, you know, kind of go around this, you know, this tire and come back around this side or whatever it was. But you couldn't touch the horse and there was no reins or anything like that. Mm. And so you had one person in front, one person in the back, and then one person on each side. And depending on where you were with the horse, you had a different kind of role. So the person in the front, their job was to set clear direction. This is where we're going. And it was amazing the way the horse could pick up on your intention. Just this, that clarity of intention and purpose. This is where we're going. The horse would follow. The folks on the sides, their job was to they were called the sentry so their job is to to make sure that the horse doesn't go off to the side doesn't get off track you know um and then the the person in the back their job is to is to create energy to sort of create this impulse behind the horse not by touching it but just by sending that energy intention of like forward movement progress so for me the lesson in this was was first of all it it's not just the person in the front who's who's a leader, right? We're all we're all leaders, and throughout organizations, anyone can lead and does every day, right? But what that leadership looks like is different, and the role of the leader is different. And so, I really feel like it's been important for me to to really think about what kind of leadership is necessary in the moment, because um, it isn't always the same. Sometimes you want to lead from behind. Sometimes you need to be out in front. You know, and sometimes you want to guide things um, kind of from the margins. The, the other really cool things that, that um, they did is, that, you know, in order to, to lead a horse, the horse has to trust you. And so you do this activity where you literally 
breathe into each other's nostrils because that's how the horse um you know knows how to build relationships with other horses um and just having that experience of breathing into each other's nostrils with this you know thousand pound animal um it was a reminder of how you know we can't provide effective leadership for folks if we don't have strong relationships that we haven't built trust um so that's been really important for me because you know no matter what your title is um if you have positional power it's always best to use it rarely and the kind of power that's most important i think is that relational power um and then finally um you know that the facilitators explained that the way that that horses choose their leaders is really important because they they want to make sure you know this is a, a herd animal right and so the role of the leader is in many ways to um be the ones that can kind of spot danger and provide cues to other members of the herd for when danger is occurring and and what to do in those particular times and so um you know they yeah. want to make sure that the that their leader sees the things that they see right that they're aware of the problems that exist um in their space and that's how as part of how the leaders establishing their credibility right is by demonstrating that they are aware of the environment and what needs to happen in that environment and so um you're always being tested you're always being watched as a leader you know whether you whether you like it or not and so it's not about um what you do sometimes it's just about kind of who you are modeling the behaviors that you want to see within an organization and just knowing that the folks around you are always are always paying attention so yeah though that was a, a pretty um i think powerful experience for me to really un understand leadership in this really different way um experientially and i think those lessons have really been important for me and in, in my roles absolutely well listen uh thank you very much uh for your for your uh insight as it relates to you know uh leadership and nonprofit leadership any closing comments that you would like to give uh contact information and how people could help with united way sure well our big focus right now at United Way of Asheville and Buncombe County is on equity in public education. And so it's been a focus of ours for almost 10 years. And the big initiative that we are launching with our partners is called United for Youth. It's a collective impact network that is pursuing this bold community goal that by 2035, all Asheville and Buncombe County students will graduate from high school ready and fully prepared to pursue their goals and dreams. And so what we're trying to do is, is recognize that there are many organizations in our community that are trying to move the needle on education outcomes, are, are trying to reduce the opportunity and achievement gaps that exist between white students and students of color, between um, students that are 
um, um, financially unstable and, and um, more financially stable students and households. And so um, we're, the problem is we're not working together to do it. And so what collective impact is all about is basically trying to align all of these organizations around a common goal and a common framework for how we're going to evaluate our success and to hold ourselves accountable. And so United Way is serving as a backbone organization for this United for Youth network. And so that means that as we go out and raise dollars, as we go out and recruit volunteers, um, really what we're trying to do is get everyone plugged in to this bold community goal. And so um, for folks who want to be a part of United for Youth, whether you're an organization or an individual or a business in our community, there are ways for you to participate through volunteering, through donating, through joining the network and becoming part of this collective impact approach. We recognize it's going to take all of us working together to, to really make a difference on this issue. And that's what United for Youth and United Way are really focused on right now. Yeah. So they can go to our website. It's uh, unitedwayabc.org uh, to learn more about the work that we're doing in this community and the work that we're doing with our partners on United for Youth. Very good. Very good. Hey, well, listen, Dan, it's definitely been a pleasure having you on the Leadership Is podcast. And just know that this door is always open for you. And uh, great conversation today. And listen, you take care. Thanks, Jason. I enjoyed it. Hey, thank you so much for enjoying another episode of Leadership Is podcast with my special guest, Dan Leroy, president and CEO of United Way Asheville in Buncombe County. And one of the things that he talked about in this podcast was the story of him going to this workshop as it relates to uh, horses and talking about the great leadership lessons that he learned from horses and, uh, you know, which also dealt with, you know, emotional intelligence right along with leadership. So, you know, get a chance to listen to the podcast or if you heard the podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So thank you so much, uh, Dan Leroy, for that story and for being a guest on the Leadership Is podcast. Here at JM Leadership Development, our primary goal is to assist your organization to fill or build your leadership bench. If you would like to have a half hour conversation about how that would work or, you know, talk about more of JM Leadership Development assisting your organization in mindset training for your challenged or first-time managers, just give us a call at 828-333-7234, or you can send us an email at thejasonamohammed at gmail.com, and we will respond promptly. And always remember, leadership is influence and service.